Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. Good morning, everyone. I love being in church. I think it's just such an honor to be able to get together as a community and just share and learn about God. I mean, he is so magnificent. And I never anticipated that I would be spending my most of my life now, which I do five, six days a week in churches and medical conferences and teaching around the world on brain science and the Bible. But you never quite know what God has got planned for you. And it's really exciting because I am a scientist. I'm a cognitive neuroscientist. And I research the brain and the mind-brain connection and all that. And it's just just incredible how you can see God in science and we've been sharing this all weekend at the conference and I never get tired of this I get so excited Patsy you asked me the other night that I really I seem to be enjoying myself I do I love what I do because every time I see something new in science I see God you know he's all over science so I know sometimes people think why is science in church I have a lot of neuroscientist friends and medical doctors that are friends and so on and they often will say things like you know how can you talk about quantum physics in church and how can you talk about brain science in church they say but God made everything so we should be talking about this because science is a description of the everything. He made our brains. He made science. He made everything. It's not us that's making this stuff up. It's God who has given this to us to understand his magnificence and his glory. And in fact, the deepest things of science point directly to God. So today, we're going to explore that through an interesting concept, um, learning about how memory forms and how we form long-term memory and how important it is to actually understand the importance of building long-term memory about good things and also how we can be good listeners in order to build long-term memory. So on this side of the stage you'll see there's some green trees and this represents the love zone and on this side of the stage there's a little toxic wiry tree and that represents the fear zone. So for those of you who are hearing me the first time this is generally how I teach because we have an incredible love power and sound mind. We do not have a spirit of fear as the scriptures say. So we don't live in this zone. This is not what God has given us. He has given us a spirit of love, power, and soundness. So this is the normal zone. But we've also been given free will so we can choose. So we can choose moment by moment of every day where we're going to be living, in this zone or that zone. And what I always say, and I always start my teachings with this statement, as a scientist, the most important thing that I have learned and that I can teach anyone is to set up a constant internal dialogue with the Holy Spirit. So we need to be constantly connecting with the Holy Spirit. This is our normal zone. We need to make sure that we're renewing our mind, switching on our brain and activating with our mind. We switch on our brain with our mind because our mind's separate from our brain and making sure that we are living in this zone. Okay, so we are going to talk about these things in terms of science and scriptures, but I just want to start off by reading you a little quote from C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite authors. I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I am helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. It does not change God, it changes me. So when we pray ceaselessly, that's going to change us. And a ceaseless prayer doesn't mean you walk around with your eyes closed, holding your Bible or whatever. It means every day, all day long. So you have your periods of time where you close your eyes and you pray and obviously read your Bible. But I'm talking about also in your daily life. 
Are you and I, are we living a life of ceaseless prayer, waking and sleeping? Are we constantly in this dialogue with God? And this is the most important thing that we can ever do and choose to do with our incredible intellect that God has given us, which I've been saying all weekend as well. When you use your intellect, you are being so spiritual because when you use your intellect to listen to God, you are tuning into the spiritual nature of who you are. When you choose use your intellect to ignore God, you're tuning out of your spiritual nature. So through your mind, through your thinking, feeling, and choosing, you choose to connect into God or not. So this is the choice that we make, and praying ceaselessly indicates how much we need God. So it's when you're talking, when you're working, when you're in your daily life, it's an all-day-long thing. Brain research shows that when you pray, your brain goes into, when you're in this ceaseless prayer state, your brain actually moves into higher levels of function. And in fact, the more you pray, the more you pray in tongues, the more you worship God, the more you choose to lead a lifestyle of ceaseless prayer, the more you increase your brain intelligence and your brain health. Your mind is separate from your brain. You are spirit, soul, and body. You're a triune being, and your spirit is the highest part of you. Your soul, which is your mind, is your intellect, your will, and your emotions, and then you have your physical body of which your brain is a part. So you as a triune being, it's spirit to soul to body. So your mind and your brain are separate things, and your mind controls your brain, and we are designed to be led by the spirit of God. So when you're born again, your unregenerated spirit becomes regenerated by plugging into the Holy Spirit and then we have Holy Spirit to spirit to soul to body. Okay, so I also always teach that at the beginning of my teaching so that we right up front understand that God is in control and he is supposed to be in control of our lives and we need to let the Holy Spirit guide our thinking. Okay, so science should be in the church. Very important that science is in the church because when we study science, it is a way we should be talking about these things in the church because we're intelligent, made in the image of an intelligent God. So therefore, the concepts I'm going to teach you today are going to challenge you, but you're intelligent and you're able to cope with them because you are in, made in the image of an intelligent God. And challenging you is really good. It builds brain power as well. So as you Think harder so your brain responds by becoming, by growing more brain cells, okay? So you become intelligent as you are thinking. So some of the deepest science, if you have a look at the slide up there, some, the, the state of the art science, particularly what we would call quantum physics and mathematics, is considered state of the art, the deepest things of science. They point literally directly to God, okay? They support the view, they transcend something called materialism that I'm very briefly going to talk about. I've spoken about it a lot over the weekend. Just very quickly, you are not your brain. Okay, we're in a world that says you're a materialistic automat an automatum, a biological fleshly robot, whatever, however you want to say it, and that you have no free will, free will is an illusion, and that your neurons um, fire up and produce your mind as a side effect. That's a complete insult to our creator because he is intelligent and he made us in his image and gave us the ability to think. So the world, the, f the philosophy of materialism is contrary and opposed to the philosophy of the truth of God's word. So science, many of the new atheists try and say that we are these robot things that have no choice and that we're just the results of firing of our neurons, but it goes against what the truth is. And actually, if you deep, dig deep into the deepest things of science, which are quantum physics and mathematics, they are considered the deepest things of science, then you will find that it points directly to God. And interesting, as you see up there, I've put a quote there, a little statement there by Keith Ward, who's a very, very famous um, Oxford philosopher and theologian. 
brilliant. Um, he, I mean, he just mixes with all the top scientists and quantum physicists and theologians in the world. And he says that the majority, when he talks to these friends of his, which are these top quantum physicists, etc., he says that the majority of them believe in God. So that's a quick walk through scientific lanes. And what this is essentially saying is that the deepest things of science are not contrary to God, they are not disproving God, they are pointing directly at our supernatural God who is beyond space and time. So therefore, using science as an analogy to understand his glory is a really good idea. Okay, so here is now basically, um, here I'm going to show you another slide now. Oh, just by the way, um, one of the, um, one of the probably the strongest materialistic atheist, new atheist people called Daniel Dennett, he actually wrote a book about what is consciousness, what is humanness, what is this thinking thing, and he, and he said that we are our thoughts and our feelings, and those don't count, they're just the firing of neurons. Crick as well, who did one of the discoverers of DNA, he also said that free will is an illusion. But they, what they are saying is not backed up by science. So that is a very strong worldview that we just our brain, but I'm telling you now it's not backed up by science. Science points directly at our magnificent God, and so should it. He created everything, and science is a description of the everything. So now we've got that matter settled, let's do some science. Okay, so the first slide I'm going to show you is something from a, a, the, a Henry Markram's lab. Henry Markram is a South African who runs, now runs in Lausanne, runs, who has been for 30 years, not now, who has been running one of the largest brain projects in the world, studying human, the human brain and trying to basically understand more about how our brain works. Initially, 30 years ago, and I shared this with the people over the weekend, that he initially, 30 years ago, his desire was to show, um, to build artificial intelligence, so to build a brain physically in a computer that could do what a human brain could do. 30 years later, he has understood, he has helped us understand a lot about the human brain. He's worked with teams and teams of scientists. It's one of the biggest, um, biggest and largest funded brain projects. Billions of euros have been poured into this. Years of research, billions of euros, top, top, top scientists. And after 30 years, one of their main achievements has been to be, a, one of their main achievements has been to map a circuit in a mouse brain. A circuit. So we, Henry Markram, 30 years ago, started off saying, we are going to, and he predicted it would happen in 20 years. 30 years later, he says, even in a 1,000 years, we couldn't do it. So as he has used science to discover more about science, and what he's discovered in his lab has helped us understand so much more about how the brain functions in response to the mind. The brain, when you die, your brain dies. So your brain's not making you work. You make your brain work. You change the biology of your brain. So science reveals this incredible nature of, of the response of the human brain, and his lab has revealed it. But the point that I am making is that we can't build an artificial intelligence. We are made in the image of an intelligent God. This highlights how amazing you are. If, if one circuit in a mouse brain is like a veritable universe, and I'm quoting Henry Markram now. He said it is like a veritable universe. That firing that you see there, that is one circuit. It's like a universe. If one circuit in a mouse brain, and this has been, worked, you know, this has been translated mathematically and represented through a computer, the image that you're seeing now, okay? If one circuit in a mouse brain is so incredibly universal in nature, or has this in universe, this is like a veritable universe, what is your mind like? 
You have a love power and a sound mind. So I'm trying to highlight your powerful mind that you have. Okay, so let's have a look at the next slide, which is also a slide that is a very powerful indication of the power of our mind. It's an actual brain, comes out of a laboratory as well. It's a person who's linked up to brain technology, and as they are thinking, the brain is firing up. So this is kind of what your brains would look like now, but each of you would have your own unique pattern. So because we are all unique, as we are thinking, our brain fires up in response to our thinking. So we are always thinking when you're alive, 24 hours a day, you will have firing happening in your brain, but it changes between whether you're awake and whether you're asleep. So when you can't, whether you're conscious or whether you are asleep. So your non-conscious mind is always working. So your brain's always firing. But as I said, it's a little bit different when you're awake. And each of us, even though we're hearing the same message, you are going to have different patterns firing in your brain. So you are very powerful because each time your brain is doing what you're seeing up here, it's actually changing the structure of your brain. So every experience that you have moment by moment of every day is changing the nature of your brain, which is very exciting. So you have a powerful ability to change your life. You are not a victim of your biology. You're a victor over and above your biology. But the things that you listen to and where you focus your mind, that is going to determine a lot of what you are going to be experiencing in your life. So you shape your life through how you are listening and how you are building stuff into this brain. So we can use our power incorrectly. This love power and sound mind can be abused when we don't think correctly, when we don't have discernment and awareness of the kind of environment environments we are placing ourselves in. So look at the next slide, which are neurons in a Petri dish in a specific environment. And this is a whole big research study. I'm just going to tell you one part of it to make my point. So what, they, what, what one part of this experiment is that these researchers took these healthy cells and put them into an, a Petri dish of cancer cells. So they placed them into a cancerous environment. And that cancerous environment influenced the healthy cells and they became cancerous. They then took those cancerous cells that had become cancerous, they put them into a healthy environment, and the cancerous cells healed in the healthy environment. And they repeated this a few times. And the conclusion from this experiment, and there's been a lot of research done around this, and it was actually huge, this is only one part of it, but the basic underlying conclusion was that the kind of environment that you create, the kind of environment that, you, that, that surrounds your neurons and any cell of your body will influence the health of those cells. So how does this apply to you? We have around about 75 to 100 trillion cells in our body. And the environment that we create around ourselves in terms of the things that we focus on, think about, and build into our brain and our belief systems as memories are going to influence how we function and how we do life. Now, when we follow the advice of someone like C.S. Lewis, who says, pray ceaselessly, we're going to create a very healthy environment around our life. So when we are implanting the word of God, which the scriptures say will save your soul, James 1.21, you are building an environment of health around your body. You literally are, as through the thoughts of your, your choices that you make, you are thinking, feeling, and choosing correctly, implanting the word of God, and changing 
changing through your mind action, changing the physical nature of your body. You are wiring a healthy Petri dish into your brain, literally, as you implant the Word of God. So as we go through life, if that is a, if that is a very large part of your um, desire in life, if that's the decision that you make to build, a, to implant the Word of God, you are creating an environment in your body that's very different to someone who is focusing on the toxic side, who's involved in bitterness and unforgiveness and, and, and observing others and criticizing others and judging others and worrying and all that kind of toxic stuff which is in this zone, that, then you will build that kind of environment around and that is toxic. And the research shows, and this is a quote from a Nobel Prize winning scientist, our body is wired for love. Our brain is wired for love. So our normal and natural is in this zone, so when we make the wrong choices, we actually go against the natural wiring of our brain and we create neurodegeneration or brain damage. So toxic thinking, that's what it does, okay? So toxic thinking is going to create brain damage. Now thoughts are real things. So you as a thinking being with a love power and a sound mind, you use your intellect, your feelings and your choices to literally build thoughts that are real things made out of proteins. So thoughts are real things that occupy mental real estate like this church occupies mental real estate. Okay, so with that in mind, let's now talk about, this. quickly look at this scripture, Romans 1.25 um, from the, new, um, the NLT, says they traded the truth about God for a lie. Okay, so now, if we make the wrong choice and we trade the truth about God for the lies of the world, that's the environment that you will build. And if you go on to read the scriptures, it shows the consequences of that, which aligns with the scripture in 3019, Deuteronomy 3019, which says, I lay before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. We're all familiar with these scriptures. So when we focus on the wrong thing, we change the environment of our body. Our body will respond. Research shows that when we do this trading God for a lie, we increase the vulnerability of our body by 75 to 98% of our brain and our body for, it, um, for illness, mental, physical illness, okay? So mental Ill, mind Ill issues are not illnesses, they are mind disorders, and then you get physical illnesses. So by being in this zone, you will get mind disorders and physical illnesses. Your vulnerability increases for these things, okay? So Based on that, let's have a look there. People tend to believe lies that reinforce their own personal selfish beliefs. If you're not living a life of ceaseless prayer, being led by the Spirit of God, you will think you know everything. And you will be judging everything from your silly environment, which is not a godly environment, which is maybe an environment very influenced by worldly things. So you will not be making good decisions, and you will live a life of bitterness, etc. So, and we then can we then create those lies to justify what we're doing. So we increase our toxicity and increase our environment. And the more we do that, the more we implant this toxic way of thinking into our brain. So today, more than ever, we need to be so careful. If you look up on the slide, we need to be so careful about the input that we are listening to. 
What are you listening to? Because whatever you are listening to and thinking about and choosing to focus on will create a situation in your brain which is called the quantum Zeno effect, which is the repeated effort that makes learning take place. You see, the environment you create and where you focus your attention will, will become physical memories that will implant into the depths of your brain, influencing your belief systems and how you do life. We are bombarded by media. We all know that. We have to be selective about what you are listening to because whatever you listen to is going to grow. Whatever you focus on is going to grow. So let's talk just very quickly about the fact that there are top seven addictions. There are seven top addictions. And the top one is love. You see, we are wired for love, so addiction is actually a good thing. We are addicted to love. We are addicted to God. We are designed to be consumed by God's love and to have a constant internal dialogue with him. This is our normal. Our brain circuits fire up to the highest level of function when we choose to let this be our majority of our input. Okay, I mean, this is seeking after the holiness without which we will not see the Lord. Okay, so when we don't have God as our focus, we will shift that addiction onto something else because we wired for love. We have to love. It's our survival. So when we're not loving God, we will love the wrong thing. We will make idols of the wrong thing. So if you're not praying ceaselessly, wherever your attention is focusing becomes the wrong idol. Okay? We worship God. So toxic love, we can become, we can become obsessed with toxic love. Whatever we wire in, Whatever we focus on, because our brain is neuroplastic, which means it changes in response to our brain, whatever we spend time on, we wire in, it becomes a habit that then consumes us. But whatever you've wired in, you can wire out because this is toxic, this is healthy, this is the norm, that's not the norm. Your mind is more powerful than your brain, so if you've wired it in, you can wire it out. Interestingly enough, the other biological, well, interesting, I mean, this is obvious, we wired for love, so we're addicted to love, to survive, we can't survive without love, we can't survive without food. Okay, so we need that. So these are the top two addictions. So when we eat the wrong food, and we're going to talk about that this evening, and it's called the acronym of the MAD diet, it's actually more addictive than things like heroin and cocaine. So, and things like toxic love, more addictive than heroin and cocaine. So we can get into cycles of wrong love and wrong eating, which can really destroy us. So we all look at heroin bad. Of course it's bad. But toxic eating and toxic love is worse. Okay, so there's a little thing to think about as we choose, as we learn now the next things I'm going to teach you. So Mark 5, 28, 34, um, the woman with the issue of blood, we know her story, um, bleeding for 12 years. She had a good life before that. Um, obviously, she had some money because she had 12 years. She was going to the doctors. Um, she was obviously in pain, bleeding, etc. Um, so this woman, 12 years, says a lot. Now, let's just quickly go back and down, down history lane and think of this woman. This woman persevered for 12 years. Perseverance doesn't just come. Perseverance is a something that you choose, okay? You choose to push through or you choose to give up. It's a very strong, powerful, intellectual, spiritual decision. How did this woman choose to persevere and push through? To the point that she recognized her miracle when Jesus walked into town. Well, this woman grew up in the faith. She grew up in the temple learning about God. This woman spent years growing up from a child into womanhood, 
learning about God, implanting the word of God in her brain, implanting very strong, healthy thoughts, creating environments in her mind and consequently her brain structures and her body of the truth of the nature of God and who she was in God. She understood Yahweh. She understood the healing power of her God. She understood that the, the love that God had for her, not because she listened to a Twitter feed, but because she spent time listening and meditating daily, day after day, on the word of God. So when she grew up, when this, she got married, had her kids, whatever, and then this thing, this season of her life hit her, she pushed through. She persevered. She was desperate. In South Africa, when I worked for years, 25 years in clinical practice, and parallel to that, I ran, um, I worked in education in pre-apartheid era, in what I call the trenches, and uh, working with kids that are so and adults that were so damaged, so poor, so battered, so abused, so traumatized in their life that they live AIDS, sick, raped, whatever. I had one girl came into the class one day bleeding because she had just been raped, but still came to school because she wanted to learn what I had to teach her. I mean, I saw such desperation. I saw such perseverance. I saw kids turn around. I saw schools turn around. 25 years of that, this, you cannot convince me that the power of the mind does not exist and that we have the ability with the power of God guiding us, obsessed and consumed with God to overcome the circumstance of life if we choose to listen and build the right environments in our brain. So this woman did. So when she heard that Jesus was in town, remember this woman wasn't taught about Jesus, but she recognized truth. Why? Because she had implanted truth. So when her miracle walked into town, she recognized. And she said, this is very significant, because she thought you see, her thoughts were the scaffold that she had spent time building. So in her place of desperation and suffering, she had the right thoughts moving from her non-conscious mind to her conscious mind to help her through that situation. What thoughts are coming into your conscious mind when you're in a situation? Are you immediately turning around and blaming God and blaming everyone and blaming everything for what you're going through and being bitter and judgmental and critical, etc.? Or are you recognizing that this is painful and crying your tears and recognizing the trauma and the suffering, but rejoicing despite the circumstances? I say this comment often because we need to ask ourselves that question and we need to come back to thinking, where are we putting our attention? What is the input? What is the ceaseless prayer? that we have. Is the ceaseless prayer with the Holy Spirit or is it with the things of the world and what we think is the right thing? Is it all about me, myself and I or is it all about my God? Okay, what are you addicted to? Okay, he said, now because of this, God, Jesus stopped as we know and he turned around to her and he said, my daughter, your faith has healed you. You see, faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God and listening to the word of God and listening and listening and planting it deep over time. And this is where science shows us that most people give up planting within three or four days. And science shows us that you're not going to build a long-term memory and the kind of thoughts that you need to sustain you through the hard times if you don't listen deeply 
deeply and process deeply and build long-term memories. And science shows us that takes a minimum of 21 days to build a long-term memory. Not four days, not when the goosebumps suddenly disappear that you just now stop and give up, not when the hard time comes or the horrible emails or that nasty word or the, another hard time. That's not when you give up. You push through because God is the God of substance and evidence, as it says in Hebrews 11.1. 1. God has done it all. We need to focus, like that woman with the issue of blood, on the nature of God and what it is to be in Christ. So when you have that kind of environment, that's when you will creep into the crowd and you won't ask Jesus to stop and look you in the eye. You won't ask him to give you six months of counseling and coach you for the rest of your life. You won't demand that he listens to your story right now. You will just believe that he is God and he says who he is. And all you have to do is break all the laws because she wasn't allowed to creep into the crowd. When you're bleeding at that time of that time of in history, when you were bleeding, you were not allowed to be in the crowds. You were not allowed to creep in and touch a man's garment, etc. You were supposed to be separated until that time of your month was over. But she broke broke those laws because she knew that this was the law above all laws and this was truth and she crept into the crowd and all she did was touch the hem of his garment. She did not ask for anything else. Are we begging God or begging people to stop and look us in the eye and demand that they hear our story or are we building our thoughts to the extent that we know all I have to do is touch the hem of his garment? That takes listener type four. What's listener type four? Let's have a look at the sow and the seed. Okay, when anyone hears the news of the kingdom of God and doesn't take it in, it just remains on the surface. And so the evil one comes along and plucks it right out of the person's heart. This is the seed that the farmer scatters on the road. Okay, so we all know that story, and we all know that analogy, and we can see that analogy. What does this mean in terms of brain science, in terms of memory, in terms of everything that I have been sharing, in terms of the environment you create, the thoughts you think, I think you can see what it means, but let's dig through this anyway. Okay, so the summary of this, the seed scattered on the road scattered on the road. I'm scattering words out to you now. You can process this. You can be not listening. You can do whatever. You're free to choose whatever you want to do as, as God has made us free thinking agents with free will, but you're not free from the consequences of your choices. Just remember that with free will, okay? So there are always consequences of our choices. In terms of the scripture, I can sow the seed and you can go out of here and do nothing with this and it will literally disappear out your brain. So as you're listening to me now, you're generating mind in action like the images I've showed you. You're creating environments because I'm giving you good word. You're in church. You're happy. We praise and worship. We're in a state. We know the Holy Spirit's moving in this room. We're in a healthy, healthy environment. So we really, we have created an environment where seed can be sowed. But you have a, the power to override that with your mind. So you can listen and you can just hear this. And because of the nature of your mind, because you're listening, you're going going to cause genetic expression to happen, and you are going to build a memory. Right now, at speeds of 400 billion actions per second, you are building my words and the images you see into these little tree-like structures in your brain called thoughts, which are memories, which the scientists call the magic trees of the mind because they're constantly changing and developing, You, but it's in a temporary state. So you're building these thoughts. Let's have a look at a brain image. So here is um, your brain. 
slice in half your five senses, which are the contact between the external world and internal world of your mind. So as you're listening to me, it's, the stuff's coming in through your five senses, and that is, you receive this as a quantum signal. Your mind goes into action. Your structures of your brain respond to your mind. A whole lot of stuff happens, and you land up with a temporary thought inside your brain. And as I'm giving you more information, so the cycle repeats. So by the end of this, this church service, you will have a, a tree with a whole bunch of branches called dendrites in your brain of this information. But it's in a temporary state. So if you don't do anything with this information, within 24 to 48 hours, the information will, de the proteins will denature, which means that they will die and convert to heat energy. And as I always like to say, you then contribute to global warming. Okay, so if it's stuff on this side, please, by all means, if someone is speaking trash into your life, if someone is speaking toxicity over you, if someone is saying ugly stuff about you, if someone is writing ugly stuff about you, don't even let it touch you. It's their problem, not yours. Keep it their problem. Don't let it come into your heart. So by all means, that kind of conversion is not going to increase global warming. Okay, because it's bad stuff. So it's going away. I'm just making jokes now. You can laugh. Okay, so let's have a look a little deeper. So here is a neuron. There's about 100 billion neurons in the brain, which only forms a portion of the brain. There's other stuff in the other types of cells in the brain as well. They just recently discovered 20 new types of brain cells, which is quite interesting. Okay, so but the, den the neurons are where we actually build our memories. So if you look at the, 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 the structure of it, it's got like a little Christmas tree thing at the top. There's a cell body, there's an axon, and where you see those purple things coming out, it connects these like little white bubbles, and there's another thing that's green with yellow doors. Got it? Following me? Okay, that would be a synapse, and I'm sure you've heard of synapses. Um, that, that's where the, the nerve cells connect with each other, so dendrites connecting to an axon foot, that would, that's what this is representing, but axons can touch axons, and dendrites can touch dendrites, and so on. So we have connections in the brain, and the little white things that are flowing there are just representative of neurotransmitters that are carrying through the signal that is happening in the mind. So we have two levels going on physically in our brain as we are, as we are listening now. We have the one level which is considered classical physics, which is considered electromagnetic, and it's con that, that little pulse that you see, that little light that I've tried to draw pulsing through there, um, is the, the mind in action carrying the impulse of this information as an electromagnetic wave through the dendrite, through, through the, see through the dendrites, through the cell body, through the axon, and to the connecting neuron. And at the connecting neuron, at the synapse, is where a little short-term memory is built. So if you look down the bottom, you'll see that there's like one branch, so this is a bit of artistic license, and by the way, all my images I did with um, top neuroanatomists, so um, they, they help me to get as much accuracy as we can when you're trying to draw a schematic as for teaching purposes. So that little one branch over there, it's never going to be one branch, but what you are doing now is you are growing little branches very close to the synapses in, the, in different parts of your brain, um, and the, the, the branches close to the synapses are short-term memory. As the memory progresses, as you listen deeper, as you spend the time building this information into your brain, so the branches move away from the synapses and they move out towards the end, so they grow outwards. So the short-term memory hovers around the connections, 
and the strength of the connections build and build and build as you focus on the information and then a structural change starts occurring and the dendrites actually start moving outwards and start growing these little branches and extending the, as, as you, the more and more you learn, the longer the branches get, the more branches you add, etc., etc. and there's no limit to your learning. You're as intelligent as you want to be. So you can keep building these neurons for the rest of your life. Um, it's, there's no limit. And a simple example would be learning to drive, which I explained the other night. You're constantly adding to your knowledge of driving. Every time you get in the car and drive, you're adding on more branches, okay? So to your driving skill. If you look a little closer now, here's a close-up of this. You'll see the little dendrites. These are the things that we actually grow that are made of the protein. So as you're thinking, choosing, and feeling, um, as, you, as you're thinking, feeling, and choosing, as you make the choice, you are causing genetic expression, which makes the little proteins, amino acids form, which group into proteins and grow these little dendrites. So you're doing this now. You're building a temporary memory with these dendrites. But as I said, they're not going to stay there unless you do something which is spend more time on the information. So that's your basic structure. Now we're going to come look at the next slide and, and see, um, okay, so just very quickly stay around, just look back at the slide. Listener type one just gets the temporary memory going. So they build the little Christmas tree structure, the dendrites of the information, but as I said, within 24 to 48 hours, it the proteins denature and they go away. So let's look at listener type two. Matthew 13, 20 through 21 from the message version. The seed, this is the seed cast in the gravel. This is the person who hears and instantly responds with enthusiasm, emotions, excitement, enthusiasm. There is, but, oh, problem here. There is no soil of character. So when the emotions wear off and they can't have that feely, goosebumpy thing going on and they don't feel all excited and motivated like you may feel when you go to conference or you get into church and you hear a message or you make that decision that this is how I'm going to change, you know, that initial thing that gets us going. Well, what we understand from the research is that emotions play a very big role in many things, but one, including coloring our experience, adding depth to our humanness, wonderful, beautiful things like that. But in addition, they also play a massive role in building long-term memory. So the initial high of emotions that we get when we learn something new or make a decision to change and get all excited is the, re the response in the brain to that mind action is an increase in neurotransmitters flowing through your brain and this has got a whole kind of a whole lot of biochemical um, reactions chain events that eventually facilitate the process of long-term memory building building those good kind of thoughts that the woman with the issue of blood had that will sustain you through everything and also through education you need long-term memory to be educated to increase your education to remember the word of god etc okay so when the emotions wear off, there is a biolo biological, neurophysiological reason why the chemicals subside. They work in cycles. So your brain is designed in such a way that these chemicals don't stay at a high level for very long. It's a few days, and then they start dropping off. So for each new memory you built, you have this burst of emotions and chemicals in response flowing, and then they kind of tone down, down around day three and day four. So emotions wear off. Now, this is where faith steps in. And and this is why I said in the beginning, a lot of people, most people give up around day three and day four when the emotions wear off. I don't feel God anymore. I don't feel like it. So watch the feeling because that I don't feel like it's toxic. Whereas you say, okay, well, God is God. I understand he's God. And now I understand when the emotions wear off, it doesn't mean God has moved. It means I need to push through. 
It means I need to actually be, you know, develop my faith. I need to be mature about this whole thing and keep working and keep running the race. Okay, so summary of this one. Seed casts in the gravel. They're here. They respond with enthusiasm, but there's no character. You see, there's no character. Character comes in this zone. Character comes where you've spent time building things correctly, okay? So when there's not much of that, then you're very much emotionally driven. And when we're without God, that very often is the case. And when we haven't developed and grown in Christ, even if we're born again, then we become very emotional, carnal Christians. And that's not a healthy thing because then we just don't progress. And we back week after week with the same issues and then we blame God or whatever or someone. Maybe our mother for not breastfeeding us for long enough. I don't know. But we, you know, we blame someone. Okay, so this is listening. Listener type two, okay? So listener type two just doesn't get it, okay? They're just not building these long-term memories. Um, the same thing, information goes in through the brain. Let's look at the next slide. We activate dendritic growth, and I want to just hang around this neuron for a moment, okay? Look at the purple tubes. So now we're going to learn something new and something interesting, something fascinating, and something that's on pretty much a graduate level, and something that's actually quite controversial out there in the scientific world, but very accurate in terms of explaining memory formation. So as scientists learn more about how the brain works, so they understand more about memory, which has always been a confusing thing. How do memories build? I've been involved in mind-brain memory research for nearly 30 years now, so, and this is a very recent development. It's, pro it's probably not even five, it's about eight, maybe eight years ago that this, is, this started being understood in the way that I'm going to teach it now. Um, so inside, inside the axon, so if you go inside the axon, you get lots of stuff, okay? One of the things that you get that we're going to focus on for a moment is something inside the, look at those purple tubes, those are called microtubules. We found from the research that microtubules are very important to becoming a good listener, to building a listener that will build long-term memory that is good, sustainable long-term memory. These microtubules are made of a special type of protein, and inside the microtubule, we find another type of protein called tubulin, which looks a little bit like a grid. So to understand this simplistically, uh, and by the way, each, um, each neuron has, they estimate somewhere around 10 million of these microtubules, okay? So, and then the microtubules are also inside the dendrites, so then they break up and there's even more inside the dendrites because on one axon you can have anything from 10,000 to millions of branches. So there's a lot of these microtubules. Why are they so important? Well, what we find is that on day three, day four, when you are still learning, when you are focusing, so you take this message, you look at your notes, you read the note, you read the book, whatever, however you, and I'm just using this as an example, it may be your schoolwork, it may be any, anything that you want to learn. So you don't just hear it once and like never do anything about it again. You actually take some time to respond, to be excited, to spend time daily, not now and then, daily, a daily intentional, volitional, conscious act of studying this information. When you do that with your mind, your brain responds. Okay, mind changes brain. Mind is separate from brain. Okay, so then as you are focusing on this stuff, then on around about day three and day four, a whole reaction starts happening, a whole cyclic reaction starts happening. There are multiple different, um, different enzymes and proteins in the brain. Nothing works in isolation, exactly like the scriptures say in Ephesians 4.16, that every part of the body has its own special work. And when the whole body is operating together, the body operates in love and harmony. That applies to the body of Christ. 
when we all work together instead of against each other, and the body as well. Everything about the body is designed for harmony. It's relationship. It is a primary reason why God created us is for relationship. So that relationship is reflected in everything from the macro to the micro right down to the level of quantum physics. The main, one of the primary fundamental laws of quantum physics is entanglement, which is relationship. So when I say on day three, a certain type of protein is released, it's entangled with other proteins. It's in relationship with other enzymes. It's in relationship with, with, with different structures. So it's never worked, nothing works in isolation. But I'm gonna talk about one for the reason that it seems to be the key, like start point when this, when you push through on day three and day four, a certain type of protein called the CAMK2 protein, which has fondly been called the nanopoodle, because it looks like a nano poodle. So let's have a look at an image of it. Okay, so that's what it looks like. Okay, that's an actual, you can see there, that's a nanoparticle and a carbon foil. Um, but for the sake of um, just making it kind of digestible, there's our cute nano poodle. So this CAMK2 nano poodle, furry looking cute thing up there, starts walking on day three and day four. Very, very important for the formation of long-term memory. It walks along the microtubules, inside the microtubules, not on, inside the microtubules, on those grids, which is the tubulin. In fact, it's really smart, but it can't do anything without you. So when you intentionally and volitionally decide to actually start learning new this information, you know, the focusing on what you've heard today, actually thinking about it daily, okay, and learning more and adding more on, each mind action generates this CAMK2 to start moving along with all its enzymes and other, all the other things that it works with. It's the kind of the little boss, that's why we talk about the nano poodle, because it's very significant in initiating the process and as it's walking imagine walking your poodle and as it's walking this poodle is walking on a track that's a little bit like a train track but it's not walking on it it's actually making it so it's little feet where you see the little fluffy part this is really using your imagination and taking quantum physics to a very very um, simple level um, it actually you have a quantum action and it imprints this quantum energy which is your mind thinking about the stuff so the stuff I'm giving you becomes this quantum energy. God is the source of all energy. He is everything. So this is nothing weird. Okay. God makes all this stuff. And this thinking which is generating this energy is kept encapsulated physically by being imprinted in these grids. So these little poodles are walking and as they are walking they're building these grids. But they only walk when you walk them. So think of you leading your poodle. So if you don't do anything, if you don't think about it, your poodle doesn't walk, doesn't get fed and your poodle will die. That's what happens. So if you don't push through and listener type two literally gets the poodle walking and then they just stop and then the poodle dies. Now, the plastic paradox of the brain tells us that we can build good and bad, okay? So we can take our poodle walking in the wrong direction, but this is an abused poodle because this is the wrong thinking. So it's wrongly treated. So it's also building these tracks, but they've been built incorrectly. And eventually they start disintegrating, and that's why we have neurodegeneration and illness and mind issues occurring. If we stay in the bitterness, unforgiveness, um, everything that's not love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Okay, so when we're operating in that environment, our poodles are unhappy. When we're in this environment, we have happy poodles. Okay, so that's a simple way of understanding this. So... Listener type three, 
Let's read, listen to type three, Matthew 13, 22. This is the seed cast in the weeds. Is the person, this is, um, sorry, is the person who hears the kingdom news, but weeds of worry, and you know science is the kingdom news because science is God's stuff, okay? So here's the kingdom news. I just want to say this. I, say, I just feel the need to say this. Science is not wrong. It's what man does with science, okay? I say this often. Okay, so it's what man does, it's his interpretations of science. That's where things can go wrong. All right, so this is the seed cast and weeds, they hear the kingdom news, but, but the weeds of worry and illusions about wanting more and more and wanting everything under the sun and wanting what everyone else has got and envy, envy and forgetting all about who you are in Christ, stopping the ceaseless prayer. So you get quite far, but you stop the ceaseless prayer so you get into that zone. So you actually walk your poodle quite far, further than listener type two, but then illusions and worry and envy and all this kind of stuff starts coming up and then you have this, this response. So the summary, this is the seed cast in the weeds. They hear but worry and their desires for more envy, etc. They get strangled and they die. This is listener type three. You don't want to be listener type one or two. You don't even want to be listener type three. So let's have a look back at the brain slides again. Information comes in. The whole thing happens like I've already described. We have these dendrites that form short-term memory we've got beyond day three and day four so our cute little poodles are walking so let's have a look at a poodle again and we are building these little grids which are made of tubulin inside the microtubules and they're growing and you actually now want to look back at the previous slide where there's a red circle okay so we're now going to look at the dendrites see where it's pointing to the dendrites look at the red circle so with an artistic license i have just drawn um, one little dendrite with a few popping out of it and you'll see little bumps on it so if you imagine that these are the dendrites where a leaf grows out of a branch you normally get a node and that node and it looks very similar in the brain and um, the, these, the, these little nodes are called spines. I can actually see some really nice little spines over here. So when, what we found from research is that around about the seventh day, more or less, I mean, these are give or take a couple of days either side, you get external fruits so on the outside. Now, these poodles are walking on these tubulin, creating these tubulin grids inside microtubules, inside dendrites. And remember, there's 10 million that split up into the dendritic branches. So there's a lot of, I've only drawn a few of those purple things, but there's like 10 million. So there's not just one poodle walking, you've got a whole bunch of poodles walking, okay? They're all walking, they're all working. All right, so this, um, this, this, it, these little spines, when you, your poodle's been walking, round about day seven, the, the smoothness on the outside, the poodle's on the inside, the smoothness on the outside starts getting bump-like shapes. So that's when we start actually feeling a difference. So there's external evidence of internal work. Okay, so fruit starts showing. If you push through for another seven days, the bump changes shape, the spine changes shape, and becomes like a lollipop type shape. You can see up there. And then after, uh, okay, so let's just hang around there for a moment. Listener type one doesn't even get poodles walking. Listener type two gets poodles walking, but they die within a couple of days, within three, four days. Listener type three gets poodles walking, and they very often get to the bump and even the lollipop. And then generally somewhere around two weeks or so, um, short, just short of the mark, they just give up with all the worries and illusions, etc. So the poodle will die. Okay, so we need to be listener type four. So listener type four, this is the seed cast on good earth is the person who hears and takes in the good news and then produces a harvest beyond 
their wildest dreams. So listen, type four goes, is the seed cast on good earth. Good earth is that environment. It's a good environment. It's an environment that recognizes that you need knowledge, that you need to think about to understand, which will lead to wisdom, which says, I need more knowledge to think about and understand. It is the person who is open-minded and recognizes that God knows everything and his world is teaching us about God, who's constantly learning, who's constantly leaning in, who's constantly reframing, learning, listening to, not judging, not criticizing, etc., etc. And I know all of us, none of us do the judging and criticizing in this church. We are all in that zone. But maybe now and then you have in the past. Okay, so when you have in the past, it's done bad things for your brain. Okay, so make sure that you are, have got good earth. Because otherwise, you're going to land up with a lot of dead poodles in your brain and a lot of toxicity in your brain and a lot of bad stuff going on in your brain. So this is the same brain images. There, the stuff comes in your brain. We're almost done. You get these dendrites forming. So here, let's have a look at the little red circle again. Okay, and there, these people that, these are the people that push through to around about day 21. So research shows that around about day 21, we have nice little mushrooms. So when we walk our poodles, we grow mushrooms. When we walk our poodles for 21, days minimum. So what research shows it takes 21 days to build those good thoughts that the woman with the issue of blood had that are there for you to actually use. But she did something else. Not only did she build the good thoughts, but she meditated upon those good thoughts and she applied them in her life. And the Bible says seven times a day we need to praise the Lord. And research says that seven times a day we need to consciously practice using our new types of thinking for an additional 42 days or two more cycles of 21. So we, our brain building memory and our body in terms of healing and functioning works in cycles of 21 days and we see that we need three cycles minimum to build a change in our brain to sow the seed. So for you to take this stuff I'm sharing with you and make this part of your life, you need a minimum of 63 days. You're probably going to need multiple cycles of 63 days because there's a lot more that you can learn about the topic that I am talking. Okay, so the first cycle builds the long-term memory. And, this, and by, the way, by the time the little bumps have formed into mushrooms, the protein changes and becomes self-sustaining. Self-sustaining, which means it has a longevity to it, which means that it is something that you can actually, is part of your belief system and your attitudes that will help you and sustain you through the hard times so you can recognize your miracle when it walks into town. Okay, so essentially, once you've stabilized this, and the last thing I'm going to teach you is that you then need to practice using it. So for an additional two cycles of 21 days, consciously, seven times a day, you need to practice this new way of thinking. After that time period, it becomes automatized. Also part of the research that I've been doing for 30 years, automatized is the fancy scientific word for becomes a habit. So that is an input that you've turned into a habit, which has become a very self-sustaining, good thought foundation for you to function in life. And this is something that you do intentionally with your mind, and with your mind you then change your brain. So you design what your brain looks like. You can either have it filled with all this stuff or filled with all that stuff. This is the choice that God has given us. Be aware that your love power and sound mind, not unsound mind, is the normal design. So if you go through your choices against the normal design and build in toxic thoughts, you are going to have neurodegeneration and get caught up in whiny, moany, me, myself, and all that nonsense stuff land. Not a nice place to be. Okay, so we need to make sure 
that, okay, just very quickly look at this image over here. These are microtubules, um, schematics of microtubules. The one down the bottom, this is what the, this is the microtubules, or the poodles walk inside the microtubules. Remember, in the tubulin, they, they're growing the tubulin, the tubulin, which is like these grids where they're implanting your memory. So your memory is implanted in these grids in the tubulin. So the, ro the rolled up ones are the healthy ones, and the toxic ones are the ones that are falling apart and causing neurodegeneration. And things like Alzheimer's and dementias and, and mind issues, etc., and physical illness, etc., a lot of the foundation of that, 75 to 98% of those things are coming from us building incorrect things in our brain. So you can't think a thought is harmless. You can't just go through life not renewing your mind and think you're going to get away with it. There is a consequence physically because you are spirit, soul, and body. And whether you like it, they're integrated. Okay, and you might try and disintegrate them through the way that you do your life, but you will suffer as a consequence. And that's why in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it says, talk, talks about from now until Christ comes again, we need to be seeking after holiness and blamelessness in our spirit, soul, and body with the help of Christ. I've just paraphrased that scripture slightly. Okay, so in conclusion, very important slide. Keep your poodles safe. God bless you. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.